0: Welcome into the newest episode of Side Mission. I, uh, like always, am your host, Rusty Ellis, joined by just two of the boys today, Facker and Matt, and today we are to- talking, talking about Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, a game that has had a very, very interesting release, and a lot of people are focusing on just uh, one part of it, like a bunch of fucking morons, but we're not going to get to that point just yet. We're going to talk about everything the game does great before we get into critiques, because Uh, The internet's full of stupid people that would have you believe this game's a 2 out of 10, and it's really fantastic. So, let's go ahead and get started, fellas. So, Matt, you're the Nintendo shill. You're the Nintendo fanboy here, so I say that all in jest. Uh, Let's talk about this game being open world, because that is one of the biggest changes to the Pokemon formula that we've seen in a long time. Obviously, Pokemon Legends Arceus had a pseudo open world that had open zones that that were pretty spacious that you could go around and explore but this is the first one that's you know truly open world so do you feel like that made a big impact on how this game plays versus other Pokemon games I personally feel like it does but I want to hear y'all's thoughts
1: First of all, oh Lord, uh, call me the Nintendo Shill as always.
0: <laughs> he hey man, I, hey man, I gotta stay consistent. Look here.
1: <laughs> I will never say I will never get away from that title. Um I will say that this uh this game definitely evolved what um Arceus started and where it's like what you said, Arceus felt more like a boxed in open world with segments that had to load in, whereas this game really just lets you go all out. Um yes. and it absolutely shows when you are starting off and you leave um the trainer's home, your character's home for the first time, and you just get a glimpse of that open world um leading off to the uh to the academy that your character attends where you meet uh Yuva Academy where you meet all of the Or
0: Narana if you're playing Scarlet, yeah.
1: They really take the whole aspect of in the previous Pokemon games, where it's just you go from route to route, town to town, uh, gym to gym, whereas this game with it giving you a more open world because this is Game Freak's real venture into open world, and I think that they did a pretty incredible job with not just like the layout of the region itself, but so adding so much mystery, adding so much to do, with the academy having you start off your venture with the treasure hunt which t- to me at first
0: kind of confused me i didn't quite understand
1: it yeah, it was it was weird
0: that... it was worded kind of weird not going to lie yeah
1: yeah. once you get to that point um not going to get too much into what the treasure hunt gets to but it makes a lot of sense then you also have the team the villains or you want to call them villains i can't necessarily call them villains that they're basically uh, academy students who, you know, don't want to follow the rules, who want to form their own group, and that's Team Star. Yeah. And then you have the other side story with um, the the Titans, which you will get into more of that here in a little later. But they take so much um, of the open world aspect and give it so much to do. And that just made the whole open world thing work. Whereas we talked a lot about open games where it just seems like it's open world for the sake of being open world.
0: You feel like this had, had purpose. Our, yeah.
1: This really did have purpose and everything was laid out very well from the towns themselves to the route you take and the music in that first area that you get to once you leave um, the first town of the academy is, is beautiful. And just seeing all the Pokemon, running around out in the wild. That's just where pure joy comes from being a Pokemon fan. Because not everybody's going to have their favorites in this game because there are just so many... At this point, I believe we are over a 1,000 Pokemon now. So it makes sense that we're not going to get them all. But everybody's got a favorite Pokemon that they're going to find out there. They're going to want to go find and catch it. And I just think that the, the sense of adventure that Game Freak has given us just... yeah is the evolution, is the step in the right direction that Pokemon has needed for so long.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that the open world, for me, what makes it work is the fact that it really hinges on that adventure, that adventure aspect of Pokemon. Because you got to think about it. For for example, in the Pokemon anime, when Ash first sets out on his journey, you don't really have any idea where he's going. You kind of have an idea where all the gems are, but... It's more or less just you going from town to town and, you know, we rarely ever see him look at a map. We rarely ever see him do anything like that. So it's very interesting that this game takes on that premise of early on, it it shows a lot of that in that, you know, when you start the treasure hunt, which is what it calls just kind of the overall story... It kind of tells you, it points you in a couple of directions that you can go. It says you can go to this town. There's the bug type gym leader. This town has the grass type gym leader. Uh, You can help Arvin, you know, the NPC with the research on the Titans, which I think is a very interesting addition to the Pokemon formula. I was a fan of that. And then I have to say, again, I've loved on Sword and Shield a lot. I think that it's an elite Pokemon. It's an elite set of Pokemon games. But one thing I love that this game did that Sword and Shield did not do was it emphasized the enemy team that you have to go against and it made them a larger part of the story in Team Star. Because now they have bases, you know, that are different typings. Some are fighting, some are poison, some might be fire. Like there's there's different there's different uh there's different typings to these bases. Really adds to the variety. I like again the use of the mechanic of quick battling. I think that was really well used as well. I feel like this game really hit the nail on the head with the adventure aspect. Because that's ultimately what Pokemon is. Pokemon is an adventure game. It's, it's this adventure that you go on as this nameless character or this character that you name, I guess. And I feel like for the first time in a long time, they really hit that square on so, I feel like there's a lot of things this game does well. Thacker, uh, talk a little bit about some of your experience in this game. You spent a lot of time doing mystery trades, and that's how you and I both ended up with all three starters. There are going to be people that hate that Ooh. so much, but I, I would argue to them that Ash literally had every starter on his team in the anime until he got to Hoenn. So, uh, talk to me, Thacker. First of all, why, why were you so invested in mystery trades? Because I've actually never done them.
2: So... Mystery trades have been a thing for me on the simple fact of always trying to be that completionist with Pokemon games of trying to do the Pokedex, trying to find these shiny charms to ultimately reach my end goal of shiny hunting Uh, when we all played Pokemon Go, that dead game. Um, that was a huge thing that I was there.
0: That's just mean to Pokemon Go. (laughs) I mean, it is though. It It, is. To be fair, I I thought Pokemon Go was a really, really great idea the first month it was out. And then they really started fucking around with it way too much. And so. And I agree. Other than Uh, that, other than that, I always, it was fun whenever we got to play.
2: It was, especially the Domino's days where uh, we'd go on a delivery oh my god
0: take take a couple
2: extra like 10 minutes to just kind of go catch a Pokemon or two Uh, (laughs) but no like Pokemon Go had a great run in my opinion Uh, but even Tabby told me the other day that it's time to delete it we just don't play it anymore and I agree but it's one of those that it really mystery trades helps me with shiny hunting so I'm able to go out and get more shinies especially when you have different tactics like the Masuda method, where if for anyone who's not aware of it, you get a ditto from another region and it increases your shiny odds whenever you're hatching
0: eggs. Yes.
2: So it's one of those that that's why I spend a lot of time on mystery trade to ultimately finish that Pokedex and then start hunting
0: shinies. It did, to be but, fair, it did land us three starters each as well.
2: It did. It got, it Definitely you could see that those who got the game early definitely had already started to try with shiny hatching the starters because your original three starter choices are shiny locked. So it definitely gave you that opportunity to find those starters who, who are shiny. Yeah. And with that
0: oh, No, sorry. you're not you're not interrupting me. I interrupted you. I'm not even gonna edit this out. Go ahead.
2: You're good. Um, but with that, it's one of those where I was able to get all three starters early and after that ended up keep getting some in. And I know at least one of them I helped Rusty out and traded it to him.
0: Um for what was it? Uh Sableye. Sableye, yeah. I sent you Sableye for the Quaxley that you sent me, yes.
2: Yeah, and with Sableye being the tattoo that I have. Uh, that bad boy is still in my box, starred in everything, so I know, don't ever get rid of this thing.
0: You know, I, I wish that I had found consistent Eevees throughout the world because I think I only found Vaporeon and Espeon, and I found them way too late in the game to make them a part of my team.
2: See, I found all but Jolteon and Umbreon in the wild, and I had one opportunity where Umbreon showed up on the map, but when I started looking around, it was nowhere to be found.
0: I would have loved to have caught a freaking Umbreon, man. That would have been really useful in this game.
2: (laughs) I agree. Like, there was a lot of weaknesses to it. But ultimately, Mystery Trade was just one of those fun little dynamics that we got in this game that they continued with. Matt, you're more of the expert on this one than I am. When did they start doing Mystery Trades? Mystery
1: Trade roughly started with, to be honest with you, The concept that we have now, I think harkens just back to actually last gen with Galar. Oh, so it's still
0: relatively new then.
1: Because I don't remember having Mystery Trade and Sun and Moon or X and Y. So I definitely think it started with Sword and Shield. But even still,
2: like that's one of those newer mechanics that I've been utilizing to complete my Pokedex. Matt, you said it. We started, Rusty and I started with, Scarlet, I've already gotten the Tyranitar and the hydra or, oh, Lord, what is the name of that Pokemon? Hydrogen. Hydrogen, thank you. I already got both of their Paradox forms, just from Mystery Trades. And That's I actually really interesting.
0: It. That's really interesting that you can get those through Mystery turning. So I, I have to ask you all both, before we get on too deep of a tangent, we get too deep in the episode here, uh, let's go over the teams that we used, because I know that, uh, I know that, you know we all used i think relatively different teams um i know that mine and thacker's team obviously featured the three each of the three starters in the final evolved forms and uh we 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 can get into critiques kind of about the the new pokemon that were added in a bit but matt i'll start with you kind of go over your team and why you picked uh what you did for your team
1: what's funny actually is i originally intended to choose play coco but then we started getting the leaks of the Star Wars Final evolutions. And for a time there, I was just kind of like, eh. But uh, some people who got the game early were posting um, pictures of Waxley's evolution. And oh, there, was just something about yeah. it. there was just something about it that I actually liked over the other two. Because I was dead set on Coco and I'll most likely choose him on my Scarlet playthrough. Uh, but I went with Quack as my starter, and finishing off, I had Qua, Final Evolution, Qua-quabble. Quack of All, yeah. Quack of All, uh, Mott, because we got to see his base evolution like, early on when the game was first revealed, and they were showing the newer Pokemon.
0: I was a big uh, fan he- of Palmot in this game. I didn't use him on my team, but if I could go back and do another playthrough, I would probably, I'd probably add him to my team.
1: I basically always end up with the current generations, like Pikachu. Like every generation has had their
0: variant of what Pikachu was to Gen One. You know, I want to say this though. I feel like that actually is like doing a disservice to Palmon, calling him this generation's <laughs> Pikachu. I feel no. I feel like Palmon is really good. He is. He is. Now, one Pokemon
1: I did not think was going to be on my team. But the lore behind it was just so entertaining was Tinkaton, especially with its rivalry with the generation 8 Pokemon, um
2: Corvanite.
1: Uh, Corviknight, thank you, Thacker. Yes. Corviknight, like its Pokedex entry is really hilarious. Basically, Tinkaton just to fling rocks at Corvanite, which is specifically why Corviknight does not do the the flying aspect in the game where he carries you from town to town. Yeah. I thought that was really funny, actually. And then definitely one Pokemon that caught my eye was Seriluge. Seriluge.
0: Seriluge. yeah. I think or Seriluge. It's It's one of the two because you have that one in Violet and you had and in, um, in Scarlet. And I thought those were both really interesting Pokemon.
1: Yeah, I always plan on having him on my team since his reveal, especially because a lot of people made the uh, comparisons to Mega Man that they kind of look yeah. like that they came from those games. Yeah, um, I can see that. Then my last one it was actually not going to be my last one for some time. Actually, Thacker was talking about this one and I like the parallels of it in Godzilla, the King of Monsters, so that would be Excalibur, which is also uh, finally getting a, getting another ice dragon type since we haven't had that since gen 5 with uh Kiram.
0: Oh yeah, I was, Kyrum, yeah.
1: Not that right? So I actually really liked him, plus I wanted to have something with Dragon. I have always have some sort of Dragon on my team. And, you know, because Maridon and Kuridon in these games are technically your
0: transportation. Can't exactly use them in battle right now. How did how did we feel, before we go on, how did we feel about that? Did we like that? I thought it was I loved pretty interesting. I thought it was really interesting. I loved it.
1: I love the fact that most lately in Pokemon games that HMs, which is what we're used to with Fly, Cut... Uh, strength, Rock Smash, and all that has been replaced with like these transportation Pokemon, like with RCS, We got that with like Standler's evolution and um, Sneasel's new evolution. Um, so the they started doing that with Sun and Moon, whereas Tauros was basically your ride Pokemon. Actually, yeah. no, X and Y. This goes back to X and Y because the first to- time you ever rode a Pokemon would have been with Rideon and X and Y. So I like to see the evolution. I w- I'm going to say that a lot because this is Pokemon people.
0: <laughs> yeah, for real.
1: I um, carrying it with each generation too. Like I definitely love how they did this with the, especially with again, they took such advantage with the open world using the leg- the box legendary as your transportation. That's it's a bike. I remember when I first saw this. I made comparisons to Yu Gi 5 D because they duelled on bikes. Uh, this is you know Pokemon's time to. Going that direction and it worked really well. Yeah. I wasn't I wasn't all that disappointed that I couldn't battle with the legendary because this is the first time you got the box legendary right out of the gate. Yeah, so early yeah. on in the game and the way that they handled it was really well done. Honestly,
2: at one thing I gotta praise this game for before I give my team is I felt like they took the open world from Arceus and made it so much better because in areas that you couldn't get to it felt like there was reason behind it like if you tried to use your ride whether it be cried or ride to climb up mountains at a certain point it just felt like you were too high to get any higher so you couldn't explore these areas i felt like they took Arceus and expanded that open world in a good way
0: i agree 100 percent.
2: Uh, but with my team, Rusty, you said it. I had all three starters with Skeletridge, um, Masquerada, and uh, Quaquable. And then me being the, let me just see how far I can push this. I went with Tyranitar, Salamence, and then always got to give the new Pseudo a chance. So I had Baxcalibur. mainly because ice types moves. You don't see a lot of Ice-type Pokemon. In. Except where you're in the area for it. So I was I decided to go with that. But I know personally we we've kind of heard Matt went with Quaxley. Rusty, did uh did you go with the uh the pick that you said when we were talked about in the like Q and A episode?
0: Yes, I stuck with sprigatito. I, I stuck with sprigatito for sure.
2: I'm glad I'm not the only one on that one. I feel like that was was kind of me just locking that in at least.
0: Well, you know me. I always pick the Grass Starter, and it's not for any reason other than it's just kind of what I've always done. I have no better answer than that. I feel like typically the Grass Starter is just more well-rounded for the earlier gems. Like you look at Sword and Shield, for example – uh, you know, you pick Grookey and thankfully Grookey can learn ground attacks, which can be effective against other grass types. In this one, Mount uh Sprigatito and uh you know, Sprigatito can learn flying moves, especially if you evolve it into its second form, it can learn aerial lace. Which for the bug oh, type gem, it really yeah, it can learn aerial lace. That is massive. I did not know that. Yeah. I, I can't remember off the top of my head what the second evolution for sprigatito was, but it can actually learn uh a flying attack that makes the first gym really, really easy. Okay.
2: Well, I'm intrigued. Yeah. Fue Coco was just... It, sitting there and looking at all three options, I had to go with Fue because it just reminded me, like, every once in a while, I just have to sit there and smile and have the most blank face on your expression ever because you sit there and you see Quaxley with its, like... I'm the best. Don't worry about it. I've I've got the hair. I'm the cool one. You got Sprigatito being the cat being like, I'm adorable. I yep. don't care what it <laughs> says. And then you got Fue Coco just sitting there like, I'm just a fucking kid and I got a biggest head. And it's just like, yeah, I'm picking <laughs> you.
0: You Come know, on. that's funny because it's true. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> so, Thacker, what was the rest of your team then?
2: All three starters and Salamence, Tyranitar, Baxcalibur.
0: Okay, that's interesting. So you went with basically three dragon types.
2: I did. And I went, the reason for that was, like I said, Baxcalibur had the ice typing. So it gave me that versatility. Tyranitar, just from all the pseudo legendaries we had in this game, it was one that I've always enjoyed. I love its design, I love its shiny, especially. So it was one of those. I had to go for it. Uh, I feel that. Especially because if you're trying to catch Pokemon and you're in a pinch and you're not wanting to kill it, pull Tyrantar out and it automatically has Sandstorm activated. It, there's You're already weakening the Pokemon just to make it easier to catch. And then yeah. Salamence just because who doesn't want a flying dragon that mostly power?
0: Yeah. Salamence so was pretty OP in this game. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I have to say one one weird thing, and I've thought about this for quite a while. Uh, as far as just you know type advantages, does anybody ever find it weird that dragon types are weak to other dragon types?
2: I thought that was a little weird. Still,
0: is that not yeah. weird? Like that's kind. Of, I know it's probably been like that forever, but is that not weird? Yeah, that's always
1: been the case for as long as I can remember. At least since Gen two, because I think dragons were only really weak against ice. Or I could be wrong, and Dragons were only weak against Dragons in Gen 1. And then eventually, Ice Attacks were able to be super effective.
0: Yeah, I got you. Okay, so as far as my team goes then, I mean, obviously I had, you know, I had the three starters, so I had Meowskarada, I had Skeledurge, and I had uh, Quackaball, which I want to say, and I want to put this on record and say I'm sorry to Fuecoco, because I said that the Evolution (laughs) line looked awful, and to be quite honest, of the three, it does still look the worst of the three. But god damn, if Skeledurge did not fucking carry me to the finish line of this game. Skeledurge <laughs> was badass. Mainly because he was a tank. I did nothing but upgrade his speed when it came to like items I could give him. Like I, I upped his speed as much as the game would physically let me. To where the other Pokemon that was attacking would to be, had to have been either a flying type or a bug type to be able to attack before me in all likelihood. Um, <laughs> and then Quack of All was good as well. I love Meow one of my favorite grass starters. Sprigatito uh, was awesome. Loved Florigato, the second line. I, I thought that, I think that, again, we, we were talking a little bit before we, you know, before we got, you know, on here to record, we talked about how this generation's starters are so much more well-rounded than Sword and Shield. Because Sword and Shield, Score Bunny wasn't great. And, uh, you know, Sobble wasn't great. Grookey was really, really damn good. But the others, as far as their design, they were just kind of eh. This one, I feel like across the board, all three of them are very solid. They're all very useful. They have their purposes. And there, there's something about each of them that you can make useful. The other members of my team, and after we do this, we'll get into critiques because, you know, we, we're already about 26 minutes in. Uh, my, the rest of my team was Gardevoir... Salamance, which shout out to Matt for trading me that. I traded him a larvitar for Bagon. Really early on. Really
1: early on. <laughs> Very early on.
0: So it allowed <laughs> me it allowed me to get started on that evolution process right away. Um and then Garchomp. So I used basically two dragon types. One was a dragon flying, one's a dragon ground, uh a psychic, a psychic fairy type and gardevoir, and then the three starters. Um I have to say though, and before we get into the really big criticism that everybody knows about, I want us to all talk about this because outside of Palmot and outside of a few, outside of the starters, outside of a couple wild Pokemon that were really interesting, I feel like Gen 9 was really lacking in the new Pokemon department. I feel like as a whole, there wasn't as many memorable Pokemon that got introduced in this generation outside of, a couple wild ones. Really, Palmot's the only one that I can think of that I really liked. I liked a lot of what Matt had, um, like Lock Lockix or Lockix, I think was one of them. I liked that bug type, and and I liked the three starters. But I just I feel like this game did not do itself as any do itself any favors because it included so many Pokemon from other generations. For example, when we talked about this, on one of the earlier routes, you can find Riolu, Gibble, and Toxel. So just like that, that's you know, that turns into Lucario, Garchomp, and uh Toxtricity. You know, you add in your starter, if you catch all three of them, you know, to have a good spread team, you're only gonna have two other spots available. And it just doesn't leave a lot of room for experimenting with new ones. When you add in Lucario, I would have been fine with. Toxtricity, I would have been fine with. Garchomp, especially with Tyranitar being in one game and Salamence being in the other, and Dragonite being in both of them. I don't really know why Garchomp was included. That's kind of a weird inclusion. I don't know. Thacker, I'll start with you. What what were kind of your thoughts on this generation of Pokemon?
2: Honestly, it's one of those that I mentioned it beforehand. This generation, it's going to be hard to kind of sit there and remember the newer Pokemon, especially... Like when we talked about it, Rusty, you didn't even know the name of the new pseudo legendary because we had so many pseudo legendaries. We have Dragonite, Tyranitar, Garchomp, um, Salamence. I don't know, Matt, you you probably know this. Uh, Rusty, you probably do too. Uh, Is um, Axew's final evolution? Hexorus
1: is considered legendary.
2: Haxer is like we have so many pseudos in this that it's like if you don't know what you're looking for, Bex Caliber is taking a back seat.
0: And that's that's kind of the big issue here is like there are some Pokemon in this game that I feel like really take the front seat here. None of this takes into account that you get Coraidon and on as early as you do, and after you beat the story, you literally basically have them as a seventh Pokemon in your team. Matt, w- what did you think? Is you you made. Obviously, a huge, you make a huge emphasis on using just new Pokemon every game. Uh, yes. Do you think that this, where do you think this generation stacks up compared to, say, the Galar region?
1: I definitely would say that the creativity wasn't as much as I saw with Galar because one of my favorite Pokemon from the Galar region is literally a Dragon Grass type Flapple. Yes. Because that was so needed. And this generation is going to have some very memorable Pokemon because we got some very much asked for Pokemon. With Everyone's been asking for a dolphin or an ostrich. And we finally got those things. And people for years have been asking for a Dunsparce evolution. And we actually got one of those as well.
0: It's and literally, they just, they just added an extra three Dun letters Dun. to the name. Dun Dunsparce. Dun Dunsparce. Dun
1: Dunsparce. Dunsparce, my boy got an evolution.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. What's funny is the fact that they just made him bigger and longer Got two different f- forms of him where he has two, one additional like body piece or three, so it was very interesting. And then one that was very much asked for was to get a finally get a fire and grass type Pokemon, which we got, which is basically a chili pepper. So there's going to be some emerald Pokemon, and I definitely think that people find favorites that will stick with them for generations to come. And then thinking back at it, it's like there are Pokemon that just didn't make a lot of sense to me. Like, I don't know. Belly Vault was an odd one. Yeah. Um, Getting new regionals, which we got with, like, Whooper and Sire instead of Quagsire. There's also a lot of Pokemon that have been missing, that have not been in games in the uh, main Pokedex since Generation 6.
0: Can I pose another question? Why were Corviknight and star raptor both in this game
1: star raptor kind of confused me because we literally just had him in the most two previous
0: entries and, yeah, uh, yeah. Like, why are they both why are they both in this game like you i don't feel like this game's got a ton of pokemon in it and i get that the whole point was to you know have this big world but i don't feel like all of these pokemon were necessary i don't know that's just me thacker you had something you wanted to add
2: I did. The one thing I'd like to add, though, is I do appreciate Game Freak for giving some of these Pokemon that we've seen previously new evolutions. I I have to give them that at least. Yeah. The fact that we got Ferregraph being Giraffe Frig's evolution, Dunsparce getting done Dunsparce, Primate getting a third. I appreciate the fact that we got those. I just wish they had. Instead of giving us just those and the few new ones, we had gotten more new than repeats. Yes, especially with a Pokedex of 400 right off the bat.
0: I agree. The last thing I want to talk about before we dive into the the big big critique, uh, I think the story in this game this is one of Pokemon's best story in a, stories in a mainline game I think ever. Agreed. Uh, I think that the twists and turns, especially the, like the last like five hours of this story. The twists and turns that take place near the end of the Titan storyline, the Operation Starfall storyline, and Victory Road—the the, the the collision course that the story gets on—is super intriguing. I never saw it coming, and it shows that it is possible for Game Freak, Nintendo, and the Pokemon Company. It's possible for all of them to innovate in their storytelling. It is 100% possible. And this is proof of it. So, for all the interest moving forward, I hope that we see this. Now, fellas, if you don't mind, I'm going to rant. Because (laughs) I love Pokemon. I really do. But it's why Game Freak, Nintendo, and the Pokemon Company should all be fucking ashamed that this game was released in the state that it was released in. There is little to no excuse. First of all, if it was going to be released like this, You already had a Pokemon game come out this calendar year. This little game called Pokemon Legends Arceus came out back in January. It was a great game. This game did not need to be released this year if this was the state it was going to be fucking released in. It could have very easily been delayed to February, been delayed to January. Hell, I would have even been willing to give you March. You could have delayed it a few months and gotten it fixed because there are fucking modders That have already created ways to play the game in 60 FPS. And it looks so much better than the current game does. I am not a big graphics guy. Never have. Never will be. I like it when games look good. And I can often look past performance issues when the rest of the game is great like this one is. But the problem is this is a Pokemon game. This is in the Pokemon franchise. In media and entertainment. This is the most prosperous and richest franchise in the fucking world right now. It's worth yep. billions of dollars. Nintendo, Game Freak, and the Pokemon Company. You this game, you could have given this game a hundreds of millions of dollars budget. And instead, it felt like it feels like you gave it nothing. It feels like, in terms of the performance, in terms of the visuals, in terms of everything with regards to pop-in, frame rate, character models, and listen. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that the Switch is known for games looking great. As much as you Zelda fanboys would probably love to disagree, let's not act like Breath of the Wild looks anywhere near as good as games like Elden Ring, God of War, etc., etc. Let's not act like that's the truth. But there's no excuse for the biggest franchise in entertainment. There is no excuse for a game to be released like this. You have the fucking money to avoid this. You have the resources to avoid this. Everything else, for everything else as great as this game is in every other facet, all anyone wants to fucking talk about is the performance. That should tell you how fed up people are with minimal effort being put into games that are not, that don't have the words Mario or Legend of Zelda in them. This is your this is your biggest franchise. This is you. This is your biggest franchise that's been around for fucking decades. And I get it. Mario and Legend of Zelda and Kirby, they have as well. I, I get that. But this is the one that people people would buy a system for a Pokemon game like this if it didn't look like it does now. Yeah. You have zero fucking excuse next go around with Gen 10, however, fucking, however many fucking years we are away from that. You have zero excuse for that game to be released like this one. You have zero fucking excuse. And I... I, Nintendo will never hear this. Game Freak will never hear this. The Pokemon Company will never hear this. I hope somebody out there with a bigger platform than us I hope multiple people out there with bigger platforms than us and our platform is very very tiny we appreciate everyone that listens but our platform is very yep. fucking small I hope that everyone that has a bigger platform than us that plays this game and enjoys it holds Nintendo and Game Freak and the Pokemon Company all to the same fucking standard because when you release a game like this and you're a, and you're talking about a billion dollar franchise a multi-billion dollar franchise it's embarrassing it's inexcusable fucking do better That's all I have to say about that, and I'll move on, so Thacker, go ahead.
2: I had a question for you. Do you feel, and Matt, you can chime in on this too, because I want to get your opinion on this as well. Do you feel like this game would have been better if, and I'm going back onto it from Legends Arceus, so if you heard that one, you know where I'm going with this. Do you feel like this game would have been better with how heavy the story is if we had even the slightest bit of voice acting?
0: I mean, I don't feel like that that doesn't make up for the performance. Like that's my thing. Like, voice acting aside, I've given up on that battle. I gave up on that battle back in Kirby. I gave I gave up on that battle. Like the main line outside of Xenoblade we're just not gonna get we're just not gonna get it on ninety percent of Nintendo's first party titles. And I've gotten to the point where it's like, you know what? I hate that this is the way it has to be, but I guess it's the way it has to be. It is what it is. My problem is more on it, it I don't wanna say it feels lazy, but why not delay this game? I get that you have a bottom line. You have to meet as a business. I'm aware of that. You mean to tell me the kind of year Nintendo has, you haven't met your bottom line? We're we're as of recording this dog, tomorrow is December first. If you haven't met your bottom line for the year and we're about to be in December, that's on you, the company. That's not on anybody else but you. So I, I don't I don't see why this game was forced in this state. And I don't want this review this this episode to turn negative. I really don't because I love this game. I think it's a top three Pokemon game to ever come out. But my God, it could be the best that ever fucking existed if it just ran at a smooth 30 FPS. Matt, go ahead.
1: Yeah, there was a lot of noticeable glitches. There's a lot of noticeable like the worst thing in this game was probably the frame rate, honest to God. Yeah. Um but if you if you've been on Twitter like, I've never experienced any glitches like this in my game, but if you've been on Twitter, you have probably seen some of the wackiest, like, unforgivable glitches.
2: Don't even like, get me Rusty, started on glitches.
1: Like, Rusty, I, I sent you a video where um, a player was going into a raid, and a Pokemon from the wild is just somehow... Yeah, the you yeah. Exactly. Then you have, you have the problem of the pop-in. You have the problem of, like, look off in the distance and you're seeing characters walking. God, like three frames per second, I swear to God. Windmills, like the closer you get, the frame rate picks up, but the further you're away from it, it is like a flip book. It is it is so, so bad. The textures are so bad. If you notice have y'all ever looked at a mountain and noticed that some of the textures are just changing? Oh, they're just blobs, yep. yeah. They're just blobs pretty much, exactly. Or like when I'm thrown into a battle and when the battle ends, like I'm literally seeing the bottom of the map until I scroll my camera upwards. It is so ugly, <laughs> but the character models look good. Like the Pokemon actually has shaders and, 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 like, and like Pokemon expected to have fur to look like they have fur. Like they actually finally got rid of the whole plastic look that Pokemon have had when, since it went 3d and they did a, Incredible job on the Pokemon models. Like, I could look at them all day. They look great. And I don't even really even have that many complaints about the character models themselves. Like, I think every character from each gym leader, each uh, Team Star member, like, have their own distinct, unique look. And that's what something that Pokemon has done very well is just creating, um, creating these varying, like, stylistic characters. I and agree. It's just, it's just like, there's just so much that w- effort that they put into. But because they feel like they have to release a new Pokemon game every year, they rush them. Like, Arceus and Scarlet and Violet should not have been developed roughly at the same time. Because they spread Game Freak thin. But I feel like Arceus's existence is solely because it was basically a stepping stone to what they wanted to do with Gen 9. On top of that, I definitely think that they knew that a lot of people were going to look at Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl and be disappointed with the fact that they kind of went back to that old two D style that we saw. The Chibi um, style, yeah, the more chibi style, exactly. And the fact that they literally had they, they literally released a Pokemon game in January of this year. It was a mainline game. A lot of people they can call it a spinoff, but Game Freak considers it uh, a mainline entry. And then Scarlet and Violet in the same year. You knew that these games were developed roughly at the same time, and we knew that Game Freak, looking back at Sword and Shield, had a lot of you know technical issues with like frame rate and and, and textures. Like the trees still look like garbage. There's no foliage. There's foliage, nothing. yeah. Foliage. The water looks what better. Okay, it looks better
2: it's better,
0: but kid. it's a far cry from being good.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's it's better, but it's not any it's not good.
0: It's like it's, it's like a- if the water was terrible in Arceus, this is like like slightly below average. Like that's like it's not good. Yeah. yeah,
2: it's it's uh essentially it's a polished polished shit. It's still shit, but it's a little prettier. That's the that's polished turd. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, like, that's the thing I have is that I, I love this game. I really do. I think it's a 9 out of 10 game, and the only reason it's not a 10 out of 10 is because of the performance. Everyone is only talking about the performance, and I saw this stupid tweet um, from a YouTuber I actually follow and watch a lot because of his soul stuff. His name's Fighting Cowboy, And I'm just disappointed whenever gamers attack other franchises for no reason at all other than just the fact that, they're popular franchises that a lot of people love and they just love to come at them. Where he said that his tweet was something along the lines of I feel like Pokemon fans have Stockholm Syndrome and they just like abuse. And it's like, no, dog, we just love supporting the games we love. And the difference is, this time around, everyone that I've seen is holding those three companies accountable for it being released in a very poor state. Like, if, if not for a game like Cyberpunk, if not for a game this year like Saints Row, this this would have been one of the worst releases performance-wise of the year if not for a few other games. So I I hope that Nintendo hears the criticism. I, I and I say we say that every time with Nintendo games. I hope Nintendo, Game Freak and the Pokémon company all hear the criticisms. I hope that for once they listen. Because my like, god, you could have made the best Pokémon game of all time. And instead, you made one that I think is top three. You made one that I think all all three of us would consider to be at the very least top five material. But the yeah, problem, no, I, but the problem is, sorry, my bad. I'll i let you go in a second. But the problem is, you you settled, you settled for the stars when you could have gone for the moon, and that's the problem I have. Is that you settled for good enough instead of trying to be great, and and I don't like that from three of the biggest companies in gaming and media and entertainment. I don't like that mentality. Backer, go ahead.
2: Look, I just got two things to add, really. One, Rusty, we we've ranted on this a lot. Yes. And it's for good reason. Yes, this game could have been the best Pokemon game made if they had taken their time with it. Yep. But the thing is, they didn't and with that, it, it this game could have made so much higher on all of our list. I, I think, I know we talked about it previously. Um, you said it would definitely be in your top
0: three. I said it'd be top three, and I don't think it would be three. I think I'd be moving Sword and Shield down to three and putting this at two. That's how highly I think of this game. This,
2: this game would be taking over spots from my childhood that are higher on my list than they are, but it's one of those that it's definitely, for me, I'm putting it at my third spot. Everything else would move down. And now on, just just so we can kind of move away from the negative so much, I do want to say, I don't know about you guys, but being the pet lo- lover I am, when we found out about uh what was going on in a certain storyline did y'all stop everything you were doing and go help this man or was I it just me
0: i, I love that storyline personally with uh with arvin i loved that storyline yep. i thought that was awesome um and again you know going back to the story of this game i feel like this story really shines that's the thing if this game could just run at a smooth 30 fps and not have the pop-in issues it does oh my god like it i'm talking game of the year contender you're talking right? you're talking game of the year candidate man like I, I love that storyline I, I really do think that there's so many things this game does well it's irritating even, that all people want to focus on is that one big issue the problem is it's a big issue
2: exactly even without voice acting, you felt all the emotions from that yes without a single word being spoken yeah it gave us the same feelings that stray did with all the emotions and no words.
0: Zero words, zero English words being said, yes. It was It was amazing, and
2: I, I cannot deny that that part of the story was
0: amazing. Matt, do you have anything you want to say before we wrap up?
1: Um, yes. I think what really drove home a lot of the more emotional storylines, especially with art, was the fact that the music was really well done, and the music was so somber and saddening that you actually knew that, you know, not just by reading the text and seeing what's going on, but just the music itself really did push, like, the narrative here.
0: I agree. I think that this is one of the best stories that Pokemon's ever told. Again, loved this game. I think the game, for the most part, is fantastic. I would give it a 9 out of 10 right now, and I think that if you're a Pokemon fan, you should 100% play this game. I do think it's important. Everybody needs to hold those three companies that I've said their names over and over now. Pokemon Company, Game Freak, Nintendo. You've got to hold their feet to the fire on stuff like this because the only way that these games are going to get better is if enough people start talking about it. And at this point, hundreds of thousands of people play Nintendo games every year Problems we talked about, management fixed. Clearly, not enough people are talking, so I'm just gonna leave it at that. So that is gonna wrap up our episode for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Side Mission Pod. You can also check us out on Facebook and TikTok at Side Mission Podcast. For the boys, for Matt, for Thacker, I'm Rusty. Thanks for listening.